0: Okay, I know that when you're sitting through speeches and then there's yet another speech, it's not the most exciting thing in the world, so I apologize in advance for adding on to whatever load already has been placed upon you, but we have to understand that we're right now in a very, very, very specific, special time, the last few minutes before Chodesh Av, very end of Tammuz, moving into Av, the beginning of the nine days as we begin to journey toward Tisha B'Av, the day of the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash. I don't intend to speak now about the Khurban, about what we're mourning, what's special about this time. I, I intend to speak about Chesed. But these two things are absolutely bound together in the deepest way. And I want to explore just for the few minutes that we have together, a very deep perspective that really changed my personal view on what this whole time period is about and much more deeply even than that, really who we are at our root. Something very, very deep I want to, I want to talk about now in Be'ezus Hashem. Something that's unique about this time period, if you've noticed, unlike the month of Tishrei, where all the Chagim, all the Yom Tovim, really from our Hashanah, Yom Kippur specifically, also Sukkis, is all about our personal experience vis-à-vis Hashem. On Yom Kippur, we sit and we talk about our own failings, our own shortcomings. Rosh Hashanah, we focus on what we're asking Hashem for. and We'd we like that we should merit to live lives of plenty. But this whole trajectory of Tamaz and Av has really nothing to do with ourselves individually. The whole focus in these months is on Am Yisrael is on the Jewish nation as a whole. We speak about the tragedies that all of us have experienced throughout this long exile that's coming to the very, very end now, or Hashem, the last minutes before dawn. We speak about not only our pain as a nation, we speak about Hashem's pain, the pain of a spouse that al loses touch with the other half of their soul. Because that's what this is, that's what exile means. What does that mean that the base Hamikdash was destroyed? Well, what's a base Hamikdash? A base Hamikdash is not a temple, it's not a spiritual center, it's a bias, it's a home. And a temple that gets broken means that there's a home that gets divided. And that means that there's a fundamental split between two parts that were meant to be together. And when that happens, of course, there's excruciating pain on both sides of the equation. And Hashem feels that the Shekhinah, which is the feminine aspect of divinity, which dwells within each and every one of us, and it's a collective energy, but it manifests uniquely within each and every person's life, is in Gullus, is in exile, it's estranged, it's away. It's set apart from its beloved. And we speak about the pain that Hashem has. We focus on the collective big picture of this story. And that's, of course, why the month is called Av. Av means a father. Our whole focus in this month is, is not on my own life and what I'm dealing with. The whole focus of this month is on Hashem, is on Klal Yisrael, is on big picture elements, broad-mindedness. The can teach it's the deepest time of the year. We know in our tradition it's better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of celebration. Why would why would that be? It's not more fun, it's not more pleasurable, it's not more exciting. If we can choose between the two, 90% of us is compelling us toward the, the party. But the answer is because there's more to life than that. Very rarely, and it's unfortunate, it's also very fortunate because we live in such a time of plenty, but very rarely do we have the opportunity to be shaken out of the illusion of just a regular, what is it today, Tuesday? Just a regular Tuesday, it's, it's, there's no such thing. Every minute of life is precious. And the way that things go is that we, we get wrapped up in just a moment-to-moment experience of just regular life. There's no such thing. And so when you go to a base oval, you go to a house of mourning, things get really real. It's like, wait a second, we're not here forever. We're not here forever. And that doesn't just mean, and I'm saying something very deep, I hope, as <clears throat> Hashem, we should all live long and happy till 120 but that doesn't just mean that like, it's going to end at some point. It means that there's no telling that I'll take the next breath. I should live long and happy. That, nothing's guaranteed. And that means that the breath that I have now needs to be breathed out in the form of praise. What does that mean? Chazal say, we say it every morning in Davening, Every soul should, should praise the Lord, should praise Hashem. Say chazal, our sages. Comment on this pasuk. What does this mean? Every soul should praise the Lord. Say chazal. I'll call nishima Every breath you take, breathe it in, in the form of a gift, and breathe it out in the form of praise. Now, I can't be walking around the whole day breathing in and saying, Thank you, Hashem. Breathing in and saying, so I have to live life. So, what does that mean? I have to live life. Live a life of praise. That means let every moment be a tribute to the awareness that I'm being given a gift, and I'm expected to give it back in a purer form. That's life. So it's better in some ways to go to a base avil, to go to a house of mourning when we get that awareness. We walk out deeper people, and that's what this month is about. It's not the most exciting month of the year. It's not not the most fun. It's the deepest. It's the most real. And the reality is focusing on, again, these big picture themes. Chodesh Mm -hmm. Av. It's a month of focusing on the collective pain of the, of, the, of the Bride, Knessus Yisrael, of the collectivity of the Jewish nation, and the sparks of that great torch that manifests within my life, and your life, and your life, and each of us individually, and the pain of the groom, of the chasim, of Hashem. So, it's strange then. If we think about it from this perspective, Many of us are familiar with the Gemara that tells us that one of the primary reasons that Beis Mikdash was destroyed is because of Senaschina. What does Senaschina mean? Baseless hatred. People weren't getting along. And it's strange because if the whole effort that we make in fixing what is broken is by focusing on all of these big picture perspectives on what is lost as a nation, and the pain that Hashem is feeling, what this story looks like, every chapter throughout this long and historic exile that the Jewish nation have endured and survived, it's strange that the trigger would have just been something so personal in the sense of just interpersonal, one person and the relationship or lack thereof with another person. We would think that, like, Something else must have happened on a much grander existential level than one person not being as kind as they should be to another person. How do these two things connect? If we're trying to fix this problem by focusing, again, on on the national level, then it's strange that the trigger for the the destruction was on a a very personal, interpersonal level. We think that it was some kind of national failing vis-a-vis Hashem, like, There was a breach in the relationship and instead it really has nothing to do with the divine relationship. It has to do with just people, individuals. And so the answer is very deep. The answer is that these two things are absolutely one thing. I'm going to say it as a sentence first and then I'll go back and elaborate a bit. To the degree that we are brothers and sisters, that's the degree to which Hashem is our father. To the degree that each Jew views the other Jew as a member of his or her family, Namish family, so the premise of being in a family is that we have a common parent. And that common parent is the master of heaven and earth, is the creator of the world who created us to wake up to that realization, and not to live lives stuck in the mud of just a mundane existence, to be awake, to be alive. So it turns out an amazing thing. Sinas wasn't the problem, it was the symptom of a problem. The problem is that we started taking this world way too seriously and we stopped identifying with a collective perspective. Seeing our deepest root identity, not as rooted in who I am with my circumstances and my experience and my abilities or lack thereof and my traumas and my hopes for the future. That's a part of my identity. That's not the deepest core of my identity. The deepest core of my identity is that I belong to a family. And this family has a mission to the world, not as individuals, but as a whole. We lost that, and that was the issue. How did it show up? It showed up in Jews being disconnected one from the other. And so on Tisha B'Av, and we lead up these three weeks, and now during this nine-day period, leading up to the day of Tisha B'Av, what we're trying to fix is not the symptom. We're going to the root of the issue. And we're saying, HaKadosh Baruch, Master of Heaven and Earth, we want to let you into our lives again. And to the degree that we, we are aware in Chodesh Av, that you are our Father, Memeila, naturally, logically, the extension of that is that we're going to start taking it very seriously, that we are Jews. And it's not just an ethnicity, and it's not just a community that we happen to be a part of. It's a soul bond. Every single Jew you meet in the street, it's a very different thing than every other human being that you walk by in the street, holy as every human is. It's something else. Members of your family are different than your neighbors. doesn't mean you like your neighbors less. It's just a different thing. It's a different thing. And I don't mean family by way of metaphor. I want to make this clear. It's not a metaphor. I mean it literally. I don't know you. I, 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 we've never met. I consider each and every one of you a part of my family. mamish, every Jew. And I, and I hope that you consider me the same way. I, I would love to get to know some of it. But every person that I walk by in the street, every every Jew, it makes no difference where in the world I am or which shul I happen to be davening in. These are members of our family. So I was thinking by way of like just like a like a cute trick to remember this, I would feel as comfortable in this sense calling this month Chodesh Ach just as comfortable as I am calling it Chodesh Av. Because it's the same thing. We could call it the month of brothers, the month of sisters. Because these two things are absolutely bound. These two things are one and the same. Oversimplification is something that we do all the time, and we should be aware of it shouldn't make sweeping generalized statements about anything, but we have to as people, otherwise we, we, we can't process seven billion different souls. We have to put people into boxes and categories of some kind. And there's truth to it, but we should be aware that every simplification is already an oversimplification because the world is not simple. It's an incredibly complex place. The tzaddikim basically divide the whole Jewish nation into two kinds of people. This is so true. As is what I'm saying now, is very true, it's very deep. It's a little bit painful also, but think of it. They say there are two kinds of Jews that serve Hashem. One kind of Jew serves Hashem as an eved, as a servant. Why do we get up in the morning and negalas or whatever it is that we're working on, trying to align ourselves with each person at their own point in the journey, wherever you happen to be up to? Because this is what's commanded upon me, and I have a list of obligations, and I'd like to check off as many as I can for reward in this world or the next world, but that's the relationship with Hashem. We're an Eved, and He's our he's our master. That's one kind of Jew. Tzaddik can teach that what we're all aiming for is something so much deeper. To be a Ben, to be a child of Hashem. Not to be doing things because this is what's expected of us, and we're servants or sometimes we feel like slaves and we're compelled and forced into something and if we don't do it, we feel very guilty. And if we, it's because Hashem is my father and I, I wanna build a relationship with him. I wanna to try to do everything that I can to let him into my life so that he should become a reality to me. It has nothing to do with a checklist. It has to do with an intimate romantic bond with a being that I'm able to be conscious of wherever I go all the time, that's with me constantly throughout my life in every situation and circumstance, I want to become conscious of that. So the tzaddikim say, well, there's a litmus test to find out where a person's holding. And again, it's not always the case, but there's a lot of truth to it. They say that the way to tell whether a person is in the category of Eved, even though it could be a super holy person, Eved, or in the category of Ben, of a child, is the degree to which they feel connected to all of Am So true. It says you could have a person who's super holy. He's, lo- he's learning the whole day or he's even doing chesed all day, let's say. And they're doing just a ton of different kinds of holy acts. They may be very holy people but they don't really feel essentially connected to every other Jew in the world, and it shows up in one way or another. They don't don't feel pain when another Jew's in pain. They don't rejoice over another Jew's simcha. He says that's the sign that they haven't entered into this mindset or family. Or family. But a person who may not even be on all these levels, I don't know where he or she may be holding, not in the same place, but they manifest a feeling of connection to all of Am Yisrael, they're on the level of son. They're on the level of a daughter. So now we come to Chodesh Av, starting, as I understand all of you, to be the next phase of your lives. We don't want to let go of whatever growth that we had in Eretz Yisrael or wherever else you may have been or wherever you're coming from. We want to intensify that growth and that's what seminary and that's what yeshivas are. That's what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be like the, like the like the on ramp leading onto a highway. It's not called a highway here. What's it called? A, a, a motorway. Yeah, right. An on ramp. What's the whole point of that? You accelerate. You accelerate. You build up speed. Not so that you off the on ramp and then you stop. No. Then you maintain it. Then you maintain it. Maybe you'll even speed up further. It's a launch pad. People make the mistake of thinking I could just. I don't know seminary so much, but. Yeshiva and They think yeshiva is the best time in their lives, the peak of their life, and then the rest of their lives they, they spend bemoaning the fact that they're not on that level anymore. And it's it's a it's mamish the opposite of the true hashkafa. It's not regular mundane life, day to day, trying to schlep it through as an Orthodox Jew while living in this world, whether it's making a living or whether it's family dynamics or whether it's other obligations. That's that's the peak of the mountain. Like I always say, coming up to Tishrei, it's more of a Tishrei Torah. But base camp, right? Some of the, Mount Kilimanjaro, right? You know what base camp is? Base camp on the bottom of the mountain when all the people are getting psyched up and pumped up and there's loud music and great food and partying and everything is warm and comfortable and awesome. That's not the goal. That's the beginning of the journey. The goal looks very different than base camp. It's freezing cold. Everyone's super tired, maybe even cranky. They're feeling exhilarated, but they can't really wait to go down the mountain. That's the peak. When you can make it up there, that's the peak. So you're not coming, like stumbling out of like the best time in your life, I'm like, oh, like now we have to like whatever, into the whole dating scene, and oh, no, 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 no. This is, this, is this is the best time in your life. And where I'm standing right now with two beautiful children and a wife who's coming back from her to tonight is the best time in my life. Because every single moment is a gift. Wherever you are, that's the best time in your life. There's no such thing as looking back and looking forward now. So we want to intensify that connection. We want to be descendants of Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. Not just descendants in a literal way, all of us already are, but descendants in this sense, in a spiritual sense, means to be disciples of. Not just, not just descendants, grandchildren, students of. And for that, we look in Pirkei Avos, and this will come to the end. The mission in Pirkei Avo says, that the Talmidim, the students, the disciples of our grandfather, our grandfather, Avram Avinu, have three traits. Two of them are humility oriented, because Avram Avinu was a super humble person. He said, I'm not actually the an ephra. I said, I'm just dust. It was super humble. And the third trait is ayin tova. What does ayin tova mean? How do you translate it? A good eye, right? A good eye. What does it mean to have a good eye? in Tova to look upon people with a with a good eye. in Tova it means a lot of very incredible things. We could talk now, for a long time just about like what the concept is in Tova. But sometimes the best way to understand the concept is to look at the opposite of the concept. The opposite of Avram Avinu is Korach. Korach came not to give. Korach came to take. It's the first two words in Parshas Korach. Vayikach korach. And the Kedusha Slevi says that was his essence. Everything he wanted to take for himself. He was not able to look at another person and be happy for them. The other person in the case of Korach was Aaron. Who had the kuhuna. That, that, that's just God given. That was his position. That, that's what Hashem gave him. His platform. And Korach wanted everything for himself. That's the opposite of an ayin tovah. Ayin tovah means to be able to look at another Jew as a member of your family. Really, I would say even deeper, because that is somewhat of a metaphor, even though it's, liter- it, it, it's literal also, but literally as yourself. To be able to look at someone else's life and to see the good things happening for them, even though chas I v'shalom in mean, your life might, might not be going so well. And to genuinely be happy for them. What a holy thing. What an exalted trait to have. We're always looking, not getting to this point now, but we're always looking for ways to become more human and less animal, right? Obviously, because that's what demarcates us. That's what makes us special. We're human beings. So all the traits that make a human a human, we want to intensify. An animal does not have the capacity to look into the life of another animal and to feel overwhelming joy that this cat had the milk and he came late just doesn't have the though It's so human to be able to do that. You don't get anything for it. No one needs to even know that you accomplish this great mighty task. It's silent. No one needs to know. It's just a feeling. You're going to find out, some of you, unless you just all happen to get engaged on the same exact day, but you're going to find out that some of your friends maybe already have been getting engaged. It's something all of you want desperately. And At the right time in the right way. You're going to find out that other people are... It's a big midah to be able in that minute to stop, to put your own thing, your own inion out of your mind and to genuinely feel happy for someone else. Wow, what a mida. What a disciple of Avraham Avinu we become in that moment. Ayin Tova, not vayikach And the same goes even spiritually speaking. Because this is all practical. What about Spiritually. Every single one of us has ups and downs spiritually. Sometimes it's within the span of a day, sometimes a week, a month, a year. Rabbi Nachman of talks about decades in a person's life, sometimes many years, or a person's just, they're out of the game. So what happens in the meantime? When I'm feeling a little bit confused, dejected, pushed away, things are not so clear, and then I look at a person who's super plugged in and inspired, what do I feel? I don't need to want them to experience what I'm, what I'm experiencing. I don't need to like mutter under my breath and just either belittle their experience or be cynical about it or mock them or wish that they also were in the were in the dumps. It says Rabbi Nachman and Rabbi and Abrezlov to be able to be happy for another Jew because they're davening strong. And I go to shul in the morning. I'm I'm just super tired, but the guy next to me is really davening and just say, I'm so happy that Hashem is getting what he needs. What does it make a difference if it comes from me or from him? It's not for me, and it's not for him. It's for our Av, it's for our Father. So I don't care who it, who it comes from. Avram Avinu's meet unbelievable. Ayin Tova. And this is something that all of us can implement practically, to be able to bring Hashem back into our lives as our Av, to begin to start looking at one another like members of our family, to get involved, I think that's what we're here talking about, with all these different programs that GIFT has. It will change your life. Not on a practical, technical level to say, okay, this is a nice thing to do. Chesed is a nice thing to do much deeper than this. When you get involved, not just in the motions of chesed, but your heart becomes a heart of a lev tov, which is another Mishnah Pirkei Avos that says that a lev tov is one of the facets of a good heart is an ayin Tova. There's no more spiritual experience than to look upon another Jew that you're helping, that needs your help, as a brother, which at that very moment makes Hashem your father, so to speak, in a more intense way. Nothing more spiritual than that. Because an encounter with a Jew as sibling is an encounter with Hashem as father. It's two things, one it's one thing. Chodesh Ach. Whether you get involved practically or in any capacity to develop an ayin tovah, it's a midah you can practice. Because the whole day we're, we're around other people. And we look at other people and everybody's got different stuff going on. Every single person here, it's incredible. We can just sit together it's a universe, a whole universe, every single person here. Everybody's got different stuff going on. And we're always aware of what this person has, what they don't have, what we have. What to cultivate this mita of, of really just being happy for other Jews to see how we can help out other Jews, to feel a connection to other Jews even though we don't know them. Because the connection is there. To become aware of it brings the Beis HaMikdash back. Brings our home back. Because a family needs a home, not a nation. A nation doesn't need a home. A family needs a home. And the Beis HaMikdash is not a building to, you know, it's not the United Nations. It's a home. And this is our efforts. I just want to close with a short story and then we'll finish. Remarkable story. Listen to this. <coughs> One of the foremost halachic authorities of the last generation was called Reb Shlomo Zalman Orba. Some of you may have heard of him. It's a great posek, a great halachic decider. But he was also a great tzaddik outside of his intellectual prowess. He was, he was a, a genuine tzaddik. Unbelievable. If you ever saw a picture of him, always a big smile on his face. It's a real, real, real lave tov. So one of his close disciples told him that after many years of living in a different neighborhood, they were, he was moving, his family was moving, close to the base medrash where Absalom Azalman sat and learned and taught. And it was like a great simcha for him because for many years he was, he was tied in there, he wasn't able to move out, and finally he was making the move. And Absalom Azalman was so overjoyed. So he told him, he said, listen, we have to make a lachaim together in the new, in the new home. He said, you know, the Rosh Hashiva, it wasn't a Rosh Hashiva, I don't think, it may have been, but he said the Rav is so busy, he, he was incredibly busy, and, and the most pressing issues in Am Yisrael were brought to his table, said really to take the time out and to come to my home, but he was insisting. He said, I'm coming to your home, give me a time, if it works out, we'll work it out with my schedule, I'm coming to make a l'chaim with you at your new dining room table in your new house. Okay? He set a time. A few days later, Shlomo Zalman comes. You can imagine with his gabayim, different people that came with him, accompanied him, and they walk into the dining room. <clears throat> There's a beautiful, you know, uh, spread laid out, ragalah and l'chaim. Make a l'chaim. Shlomo Zalman gives him a bracha. And he says, you know, I would like to put up the mezuzah as well. If you haven't put up a mezuzah yet, what you do in a new home? Great. A few more minutes. Not a big deal. Make a bracha. See, he went to the door. He put up the mezuzah. And then the strangest thing started happening. He said, if you wouldn't mind, can you show me the kitchen? He said, he said I already put up mezuzahs in the rest of the house. Just the front door, we didn't put up a mezuzah yet. He said, no, nothing to do with mezuzahs. If you don't mind. Sure. They take him into the kitchen. And he is just looking around. Like Vadika's hametz. It's, it's like in the middle of the year. He's looking all around. The kitchen, he says, beautiful. He says, do you mind taking me upstairs to the bedroom? <laughs> it's like this is the weirdest thing in the world. What's he looking at? Like making sure it's decorated properly. Like what? It's the strangest thing. This is a man with no time. Kahava. They walk upstairs, each and every room in the entire house. Three floors down to the basement. Every single room he wants to go into, they couldn't figure out what in heaven's name is going on. This took about 25 minutes. Carefully, each and every room looking all over the place. They come downstairs and <laughs> Shlomo Zalman's ready to leave. And the person, his student, is asking him, he says, listen, Rebbe, I, I have to ask you, what is this all about? What are you looking for? So Shlomo Zaman smiled and he said, listen, he said, here in Yerushalayim, everybody's really worried about ayin haras. Everybody's worried about ayin haras. To the point that people will even hide things away, that nobody should see them because they're afraid that someone's going to get jealous, look upon it with an evil eye, and we know in our tradition that that could have a negative detrimental impact. What kind of how and whatever, not getting into the details, can make an ayin hara? Said Rishulam Azalman, he said, if that's the power of an ayin hara, imagine the power of an ayin tova, of a good eye. He says, what I was doing, very simple, I was just going around to all your rooms and giving and tova to everything. I was just looking with a good eye at everything that you have in your house, just really being happy for you and projecting good energy on everything. Can you imagine that? Oh, got the chills telling the story. Unbelievable. Can you imagine living in a house where Shlomo and walked around and looked at? Shh, unbelievable. The whole house was filled with holiness. The whole house was filled with purity. The whole house was filled with brotherly love. And therefore, the whole house was filled with the spirit of our collective father. I bless us to be able to hold on to the energy of Chodesh Av. And remember it's Chodesh Ach in the same degree. It's the month of our family coming back to our home. And in the merit of us getting involved in gift and all these beautiful opportunities, to cultivate this feeling of love, of ayin tova toward one another, we should be zoha to come back to our home. The Two sentences about Elacha, which is the organization that I'm privileged to run, for those of you who've been away. Eilecha um, means to you. That's the English translation, to you. And now there are three options of what we mean when we say you. What are those three options? I'll start you off being Adam Le, right between man to Hashem, Adam Le, to you, to another person horizontally, as it were, and then bin Adam, to our inner selves. Eilecha is attempting to help each and every Jew, to intensify the relational aspect of all those three elements, to further deepen our relationship to you, to HaKadosh Baruch to further deepen our relationships to other Jews, to each other, and perhaps most importantly even, to intensify our relationships really with ourselves, to discover who we are, to discover what's at the core of our identity, what's at the core of the Torah that all of us share, what's at the core of what Hashem wants from us. Not to just go through the motions, a lot of that going on, but to really live Yiddishkeit with fire, with vibrancy, with song, with depth, with realizing that at the core of the essence, there is no difference between all of those two Jews. It's all one and the same. Each Jew, each Jew's essence, and the master of heaven and earth. It's all one thing. So through shiurim be'ezer Hashem, we're going to have more programming for women be'ezer Hashem hopefully coming up this year with shiurim, but we have a musical hallow. Every month, it's open to men and women. That takes place right here. That Just we open up the, the wall, and it's absolutely beautiful. Baruch Hashem, it's really something special. Thank you. <laughs> so we start also with a half hour sheer just to get us into the energy of every month, followed by um, by by music. What else do we do? A ton of shirim online. We have WhatsApp. I didn't bring any cards, whatever, but I'm sure they can get the the, 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 the information. Yes, we have a three weeks video program, a lot of social media content, a ton of shirim. Um, and different opportunities for connection to be able to help us through the light of the inner dimension of Torah, the soul of Torah—not just the you know what, where, how, and when of it, but the why of it, the soul of it—to help us connect more deeply with our soul and with the soul of Yiddishkeit. That's uh, that's ilacha. Okay. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Thanks for the opportunity. Thank you very much okay thank you as that came out we should hear good news as a session.